Remain standing as we read from Luke. Today we're in chapter 17, beginning in verse 5. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. This is the word of life. Frank Koch tells the story of when he was in the Navy. They were out on maneuvers. They had been out for a few days. He was on a battleship. This was the last night out, but some fog had rolled in. Visibility was low. It was difficult to see. One of the crewmen yelled, light on the starboard bow. The captain said, is it moving toward us or is it steady he said toward us he said signal that ship advise you change course 20 degrees they send the signal the light flashes back advise you change course 20 degrees he said signal i'm a captain advise you change course 20 degrees the light came back i'm a seaman second class advise you change course 20 degrees by now the captain is furious he screams out signal this i'm a battleship advise you change course 20 degrees back came the flashing light i'm a lighthouse It changes everything. (laughs) Stephen Covey comments in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People on this story. He says some principles are natural laws. They cannot be broken. They are like lighthouses. Then he quotes Cecil B. DeMille, a great American filmmaker, who said while he was making the movie The Ten Commandments, it is impossible for us to break the law. We can only break ourselves against the law. Jesus talks to his disciples here in Luke today in a way that seemed rather harsh. I don't know about you, but it kind of ruffled my sensibilities about slavery and oppression when he starts talking about slaves and says, would you let them eat and drink? You'd say, no, serve me. You can eat later. You don't even have to thank them. They are only doing what they were commanded to do. It's a little offensive. It's a little harsh. And then at the end, he says after they've done that, what they should say is we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. Does it seem harsh to you? That is harsh to me. 
It's so much more fun to talk about God's love pouring out upon us and forgiving us of all of our sin. And yet today, we have a different kind of text. And maybe when I get caught up and get offended at the story about the slave, maybe I'm missing the point. Perhaps I've missed the point because I think the context is the same as the battleship and the lighthouse. You can say... I'm going to ignore the commandments. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. Maybe you should change the commandments. The commandments say, advisable, you change your course. If there's going to be a collision, who's going to be hurt? That's the question. If commandments are like lighthouses, then we ignore them at our own peril. If we get confused about what's bedrock or what the law is or who is in charge, who gets hurt? If the commandments are to help us live together as a family of God and we ignore that, whose problem is it? So if Jesus is talking about commandments from God that guide us to life and life abundant, then perhaps this is not harshness, but clarity, clear teaching, deep wisdom. Could that be? What commandments would Jesus be talking about anyway? Well, Luke has told us back in the 10th chapter that a certain lawyer came to Jesus one day and says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, well, what does the law say? What do you read? And he says, well, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly. That is the right answer. Do that and you shall live. So two big commandments, love God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself so certainly that's part of what jesus is talking about but then right here in the four verses at the beginning of chapter 17 jesus also points out to the disciples lots of temptation lots of obstacles everybody's going to stumble you're going to stumble your buddy's going to stumble but don't be the cause of your friend stumbling and by the way if he does and repents and asks you for for, for forgiveness you should forgive him every time he asks. And then the disciples say to the Lord, increase our faith. I don't know if they don't believe about forgiveness or if they're, they're beginning to understand the immensity of what it means to love God with all of you are and love your neighbor as yourself. But at any rate, we get to this point and Luke says, the apostles say to the Lord, increase our faith, exclamation point. It's a cry for help. Now, it will help us grasp the meaning if we realize that in the Greek from which we have our translation, there's two kinds of clauses that start with if. One is a positive, one is a negative. The first one is, if you are a member of Boston Avenue, and you are. The other one is, if you're king of England, and you're not. It's a negative affirmation. We tend to think this is in the negative when Jesus talks about a mustard seed, something tiny as a sesame seed, as if the disciples don't have enough faith. But our biblical scholars tell us that in the Greek, it's the positive. 
So we should read it like this. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, and you do, and you do, it's a positive affirmation that even if you only have small bits of faith, trusting in God can make amazing things happen. Even if you just trust in God a little bit, God might do big things in your life and in the world. After I looked at all of that, this is kind of my summary. I put it in your outline. If you have faith in God, and you do, then do what God commands you to do. And when you do, seemingly impossible things will happen. I love the story about when Boston Avenue Church called Brother Forney Hutchinson to be their pastor. The year was 1934. Oklahoma was in the grip of a depression, the Great Depression. They had built this beautiful, magnificent building in the Roaring Twenties, and it looked like it was going to be fine. They had spent a million already. They still owed some 300000 but it didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal until the economy crashed. And then fortunes were gone. Businesses bankrupt. Cash flow greatly restricted. And they were on the edge of foreclosure. Some of the Boston Avenue members made a special trip to Nebraska to the people who held the note to beg that they might renegotiate the terms of the loan so they didn't lose their church building. They were able to do so, and it was at that same time they were having a change in pastor. They wanted Reverend Hutchinson. He was serving in Arkansas. They talked to the bishop. He said, well, you can go and talk to him, but he's right at the end of his career. He's having some health problems, and you all have an immense debt. I don't think, I don't think this is going to work, but go ahead and talk to him. They talked to him, and he said, I'll think about it. Let me pray about it. And he got back with the committee and said, after thinking and praying about it, I think it is a call of God. I will come, but I believe there should be one condition. They said, what is that? And he said, you must support a missionary in the field. The committee agreed. Brother Forney came to Boston Avenue to be the pastor. He was meeting with the board of stewards, as they were called in that day, and he addressed this topic early on in his time here. He said giving and receiving are connected. Giving is the way you start receiving. It will be good for Boston Avenue to give to a missionary in the field. I suggest we do $1,000 a year, and he had a specific Oklahoma missionary in mind, Paul Mitchell, who was in Cuba. He said, well, not only support them, it will be good for us. Receiving starts with giving. Thinking of others is really important. They weren't sure how they were going to raise those funds. They were struggling, focused deeply on the building debt. Members said, though, that challenge to them began to change the focus from just the building debt and how terrible things were to how can we grow ministry? How can we be in mission? How can we serve somebody else? And Martha Jo Bradley, longtime member of Boston Avenue, says she remembers hearing Brother Forney say to them over and over again, I know you don't know where this money is going to come from, but I promise you this, if you commit to it, the money will come. And it did. And they supported the missionary in the field, and they made the payments on the building. 
if you have faith in God, and you do, then do what God commands you to do. And when you do seemingly impossible things, will happen today is worldwide communion sunday christians around the globe when it comes their time to worship are remembering you and i here we have baskets of bread from different cultures we have posters in the hallways helping you see how others eat we recognize that we have differences in nationality and race and ethnicity and socioeconomic conditions most Christians not meeting in a building this beautiful around the world or with parking lots so expansive. In fact, most of them no cars, maybe no building, and yet meeting to worship all the same. But despite such immense differences in some of the circumstances or the conditions in which we gather, the Bible tells us we are members one of another. We are brothers and sisters with them because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we all have the same two big commandments, love God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So we're remembering them as neighbors. Earlier in Luke, the question arose, and who is my neighbor? And it's a longer story than we have time for now, but the answer basically is anyone in need. Anyone in need that you can help, that's your neighbor. Love God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you realize that there are approximately one billion people hungry in the world right now? A billion. Our statistics, when you begin to read through them, you'll find something like this, that there are 16,000 children who die from hunger-related causes every day. One of those precious children die every five seconds in the world. Every five seconds? It breaks my heart. But think of those parents, how life-rending it must be to lose a child or to see children across your village dying before they reach the age of five. Not because we couldn't stop it, but because we haven't yet. But I hate it when people tell me this kind of thing and make me feel guilty. I feel so helpless. I want to respond. And so today we have a response. We have the crop walk to end world hunger. That's what this is all about. Oh, we walk because they walk. They have to walk in most places of the world, and the majority of the world. They have to walk hours, if not miles, to get a drink of fresh water. 
So we walk to think about that a little, to pray about that a little, to raise our own awareness about what the rest of our brothers and sisters in Christ experience. But you could walk today and be a part of that, or even if you can't walk, I know everybody cannot go. We're going to have members of our congregation in the hallways on your way out holding large baskets. You can make a financial donation, and it makes a difference. When you share a little of your resources, it really does make a difference. You can know that in a village where they don't have a fresh water well or fresh water source, that if we give through Crop Walk, through our United Methodist Committee on Relief, that next year this time they could have running fresh water in their village. You can know that we're sending agricultural specialists to teach better farming methods so that they have an opportunity to feed their family, maybe feed their village. You can know that you're a part of research to send new seeds where they need fresh crop options. You can know that you're helping with health care because part of the money is going to go to do community health care, to send health workers for those who have no health care system. You can know that you're helping educate young children because we build schools and send educators to teach. You can make a difference. You can change lives. Together, we can save lives if we trust in God and follow his commandments. That's what Jesus is saying here, that when you do that, what should you say? Well, you should say, we have done only what we ought to have done. I struggled with this passage all week. I finally came to the point and said, maybe this is not harsh news. Maybe this really is good news. After all, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is showing me the way to life and life abundant and life eternal he's given me the commandments he's showing me the way all i have to do is obey it's good news if you're a disciple of jesus christ to know that he is the way the truth and the life and he's pointing us in the right direction our choice is whether we will obey or not whether we'll make it priority one, whether we'll put first things first in terms of our faith and our commandments of love of God and love of neighbor. I pray that it might be so for all of us.